Welcome to another episode of Viatorian Voices Conversations on the Way. This episode is another roundtable on the way, a more in-depth feature to explore things a little further that we can squeeze into the usual 15 minutes. This roundtable is one of a three-part special to mark National Vocations Awareness Week, an effort to increase mindfulness of vocational discernment and encourage people to explore God's ongoing invitations and respond with lives of loving service. In this second part of these NVAW roundtables, we explore fatherhood, marriage, and family life. For this topic, we have two guests. Brian Hansen has been a Viatorian associate since committing in 2020. Brian graduated from St. Vider High School in 2011, has volunteered in several capacities at Vider House of Hospitality, and has been a theology teacher at St. Vider High School since 2019. Also, we have Jacob Lesage. Jacob is a parishioner at Maternity BVM Parish, a Viatorian-led parish in Bourbonnais, Illinois. Jacob has been a Viatorian Youth Congress young adult leader, and his wife Amelia has served in that role too. I'm your host for this conversation, pre-associate Dan Masterton, and as a husband of eight plus years and a father of three, I joined in the conversation with Brian and Jacob too. Each gentleman will offer a bit more introduction of themselves and their families as we get started, starting with Brian, followed by Jacob, and then me. Enjoy the conversation. I'm Brian, and uh, I'm uh, 30 years old. I've been with the Viatorians or a Viatorian associate since 2020 um, and uh, I've been married uh, since 2020 so three years of marriage um, uh, my wife's name is Elizabeth uh, and we both have a uh, two going to be two-year-old son Elijah so yeah my name is Jacob uh, my Viatorian connection uh, is that I, I go to maternity BVM I've been on BYC I've been involved just for a number of years now with a, a bunch of different things uh, the Viatorians do. I'm 26 years old. My wife's name is Amelia. Uh, she and I have a one and a half year old uh, little girl named uh, Cecilia. And uh, yeah, that's, that's the gist of it. Mm-hmm. And I'm Dan. I'm 34 <laughs> years old. My wife and I have been married for eight years. And Catherine and I have a six year old daughter named Lucy and a three year old named Cecilia. Oh. And we're expecting <laughs> a third child in January. That's awesome. Exciting. Congrats. Thank you. <laughs> You're now officially outnumbered. Yeah, we will be outnumbered it's for sure. Wild. <laughs> so can you guys think back to a moment when maybe something clicked in your discernment where you thought, this is the person I'd like to propose marriage to and spend the rest of my life with? Do you remember a particular clarity or insight or something mm-hmm. that clicked in your prayer? I think the moment for me when I knew... I was like, okay, I, I have to marry this person. That, like, I, I was, I was like, there's no, there's no other, other choice that I can make. Was, it, it initially, it was, we'd been together probably. Let's see, we'd been together like a year and a half. I proposed like a year and eight months. We've been together like a year and a half, and I don't know what I, I was. I was sort of coming to the end of my college experience, and I was like, going to graduate, and I was like, okay, am I going to break up with this person? And I, th- and I thought, no, I'm not. So what am I doing, right? And so then you sort of had, I had that, that soul-searching moment of like, like what am I, what, what, else, what am I doing, right? I, I, I'm, not going, I'm not going to break up with her. I'm going to be with her for the rest of my life. What am I, what am I waiting for? And so it wasn't, you know, it was a lot of little moments. Um, as far as like specifically the part that made me like comfortable with, with that though, I think there was, there was a couple of moments where I realized that I, be, I had become a better Catholic through my wife and her family than I had ever been in my life prior hmm. to knowing that. Wow. And so that was another, that was a moment where I was like, I can't lose that. 
that is this is this is like most fulfilled spiritually that I've ever been because they've opened this world of, of deepness that I didn't know existed. Um, so, I mean, I guess that was like, the, like yeah, like the wow, this lady's special. That was the moment. Hmm. So when I realized all of those things. Yeah, and could you going off of that? Like for me, so my now wife and I, like uh, we met doing missionary work for the Catholic Church in <clears throat> the Diocese of Green Bay and throughout the Diocese of uh, Wisconsin. And after our time serving the church, that's when we started dating. And when we were, we actually dated long distance. So she was living in Minnesota while I was living down here in Illinois. And that was like from 2017 until our marriage in 2020. You know, during our like visits, uh, we weren't like seeing each other every month. It sometimes was just during certain moments throughout the year, like Christmas, Thanksgiving. Um, and I remember like, I think it was in October of 2017 when she was coming down to see my family and, and visit with them. I'll never forget, like she was meeting my family members and she was seeing how I was interacting with my siblings, specifically my sisters. I'm the oldest of four. And then I remember after that interaction, I was going to take her down to be with my grandparents, my dad's parents who live on a farm because she's originally from a farm community community. And I thought that would be kind of like nice, like, oh, like, hey, I got a I got a little bit of farming background. Yeah, yeah, (laughs) you know, but while we were driving down, believe it or not, like she just starts chewing me out on like being acting more like a dad to my siblings than like uh, being an older brother like you know and I was just like where is this coming from I was like and we just had started dating back in like June of 2017 but like during that whole time where she was like you got to be more nice and patient with your sisters like rather than like being like on guard I just had this sense of like oh my goodness like I'm getting called out for all the areas I'm falling short but all the while, I don't feel unloved. Like, I've, like, and I thought that was like, that was a wake up call for me because that was something that I was desiring if I was called to married life. That I would be with, in my case, a woman who was going to love me in my most uh, shining moments, moments where I was shining and uh, living a life like Christ, but also in my moments where I was missing the mark and like really <laughs> just not. Uh, living yeah. up to Christ's standards, so that that was a that was a definite moment where I was like, I think this was this is the one that the Lord was calling me to be with. So, wow. yeah, <laughs> yeah, you can receive the constructive criticism with charity because you know the place it comes from, like authentic love, that it you don't feel inadequate to it. You know that it's it's right on point. Mm-hmm. You can take it the right way. Yes, yeah. loving, loving improvement. Not, yeah. Because <laughs> yeah. I really think, like, at the end of the day, everyone is aware. Like, there's a part of us that, w- that we're not happy about right? or that we know, like, I don't like this about myself. And what if someone finally sees that part of me? What are they going to do with that? How yeah. are they going to respond? And when you encounter someone who can respond to it and say, hey, you got to work on this. But I'm I'm not leaving you, which is I think is a fear of a lot of young people or just people yes. in general. Like mm-hmm. when you encounter someone that is rather is willing to invest and commit rather than hit the eject button, mm-hmm. that's like a big w- sign, I think. Yeah. That's yeah. so real. Yeah. So Love is so a real. decision instead of a, an <laughs> yeah. impulsive yeah. feeling. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. 
I remember talking with uh, my best friends when we were both kind of starting to think about proposing to our girlfriends and he used the kind of analogy of when you think about someone uh, like you're, you think about the, a future with your girlfriend can you imagine anyone else or is mm -hmm. it automatically immediately that person every time mm -hmm. and he said he'd kind of gotten to that point where no matter what he was thinking about it was always with her she would mm -hmm. always pop into the, the, the vision or the imagination and said the version I kind of gave back to him was whenever I think about something I'd like to do or something kind of hypothetical I imagine it will be better if I'm doing it with her mm. whereas if I were on my own or I was with some you know insert a different partner here it would go differently when I imagined something I included her in that imagination or that vision and it just automatically felt better felt fuller mm. richer um, and it kind of clicked for me it's kind of sappy but uh, I was volunteering abroad in Ireland and I ran a half marathon and you kind of need a lot of different things in your heart and mind to get you through to the <laughs> end of the race and one of the things that popped into my head uh, as I was running the last third of the race and I had gotten ahead of my pacing group and I was feeling really good physically but I kind of had to trick myself into mm -hmm. holding that together through the finish line I imagined her she was living in the states and I was in Ireland but I imagined her along like you know the rope line like holding our child who did not exist and for whatever reason, I didn't force that image into my head, but it kind of sat there with me and I finished at, you know, ahead of my goal time and feeling like weirdly still really good. I mean, it hit me hard at the yeah. end of the day and the next day, but <laughs> that image kind of never left me. And I feel like it, it sort of came true by the way we, our marriage uh, and our family life unfolded going wow. forward from that. So it's, yeah, it's that, I don't know. I think there's a prayer and imagination can meet in this kind of holy place Mm -hmm. in, in those grace-filled moments. Uh, and then that's a case that, that one's never left me. Yeah, definitely. So let's talk about uh, family life a little bit then. Mm -hmm. uh, being a husband, being a father, there's a lot of blessings, a lot of challenges, opportunities to learn about yourself. What if we maybe talk about some of the good stuff first? What are some of the blessings of being a husband, of being a father? What are the positives that we really appreciate? You know, I, she keeps me <laughs> in line so well. <laughs> I would not be able to function without her <laughs> in a lot of ways. I would my life my life I would I would function worse without her, right? Mm -hmm. You know, I would be able to, you know, I I could keep track of myself, but I would never be able to do anything more than that. She pushes me in so many different ways because, you know, so being a husband, it's it's one of the best parts about it, and this is a weird thing to say, right, but I didn't realize it until the last year maybe, was for me, one of the best parts is that I have to, I have to sacrifice, mm. right? I have to care about someone more than myself. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I have to make decisions for the betterment of, of her often, right? And like, that's, I'm called to do that, right? That's mm -hmm. one of my, it's one of my roles. And so, simply by her existing, that has driven me to new heights of, of achievement, of you know both both personal spiritual um you know it's driven me to to learn skills that i never thought to learn before for me it's forced me to look at my like finances like what am i doing for the future you know mm. i never thought about life insurance really until i got married and then <laughs> yeah. i was like oh that's right man oh, i gotta, gotta get think that. about yeah. that so like there's the there's like a big practical side that that being with her has driven me to to uh, achieve mm -hmm. yeah i would say saying what like jacob was saying in the sense that i think when you enter into marriage, 
with your wife or in, in our wives case husbands you slowly but surely start seeing the strengths of your spouse and and the thing and the the talents and gifts that your spouse possesses that you either lack or you're just not naturally gifted yeah, at yeah. and it's such a relief in the marriage when the day to day life is taking place that when those activities come up or those tasks that come up uh, and you know your spouse is good at this one thing like you can you can rely on on him or her to do that right and so like I, I think my wife is uh, naturally gifted with just like to-do lists <laughs> in, in the sense like she she can like uh, she's always constantly thinking about within our household like what we're lacking whether it be groceries like toiletry supplies and she's constantly making lists or just like I, I activities for us to do and it, like I can see that right that helps me um, as the husband and then I can initiate yeah and so I think that that's just like a blessing is seeing what your spouse is gifted at and then just allowing your spouse to shine in those moments there, so there's that within the within the marriage but then the fruit of the marriage is the children right and like I think that is just you just see the power of your love that you have with your wife in our cases uh, and how that brings forth like new life and like I'll never forget that moment when you know my my son you know came out of my wife's womb and like uh, he's getting all cleaned up and everything and and I go over to him and I just start you know like just saying hey like and just saying hi to him and like he immediately stopped crying and just started turning his head in my direction and like I just like I bring that up because I think that's the power of like that is what the crazy reality of God's love you know made manifest like when my wife when I would come home when my wife was pregnant and I would just be like honey I'm home and then all of a sudden she said oh the baby's kicking like because it could hear my voice right and like yeah. I think that's like really powerful when you really think about it like you your love for one another is God is using that to bring about new creation like so we're participants in that and if you reflect on that for a, l a little bit it's going to be like whoa <laughs> that's, that's for sure on, yeah. the, on, the, on the child note my daughter has has I, I've heard this said before she's taken what I thought how how much I thought I could love something and and elevated it maybe maybe double maybe triple and and the thing is it didn't just elevate it for her right I do love her at I think almost as, as much as I've ever loved anything ever <laughs> right um my God, <laughs> you know, thinking about it makes me excited. Yeah, yeah. I, sometimes I'll be just sitting at work and I'll just like look at a picture of her and I'm like, like oh yeah, oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's why I'm doing this, right? Um, and uh, uh, but I've noticed it probably. She's you know she's a year and a half. Last year, really, I've really started to notice like I have more patience for other people. I mm. have more, um, you know, I, I find myself just being more loving to other people. Almost like my whole if you took my my average amount of love I was giving out to the world it has just skyrocketed and that's I mean that's been just such a joy um, I mean, just getting to watch her and I get excited when she learns words like food yeah, <laughs> yeah, like, yeah. It's just, but or it's, they go through their laundry list of, of words that they know. Oh yeah, to show off yeah. a little bit. Yeah, yeah. names, the names library. Yeah, like mama, dad, dad, yeah, grandpa, mama, library. Yeah, 
he my my son loves like the movie Cars, so he's like a library Lightning McQueen, like you know Mater, <laughs> like so yeah, yeah. all those yeah right. No. Yeah. What about you, Dan? The way that my sister in law has put it to my wife is that uh, I don't make sense without my wife. Hmm. That uh, it's almost like uh, Catherine makes me more palatable to the world <laughs> because whatever my excesses are get like kind of moderated through her. And that whatever my deficits are, when I learn to do something better because of how she is, or I step back to give her space to, to take the lead, that that makes me better too, kind of mm -hmm. by, you know, secondarily. Um, and I think the biggest one for me is empathy. Like, I'm a very analytical, rational thinker, and so I can kind of think through arguments and understand how someone else might analyze something. But to think about how someone's feeling and to understand the emotions someone might be having, didn't come as naturally to me. Like you said, mm -hmm. you just have natural deficits and natural strengths. I've learned because of how she tells stories about work, how she relays things that happen with our kids when I'm away, how she tells stories from her childhood or from you know what she's up to with friends. Like she has an empathetic capacity that I don't have. And my empathetic capacity has expanded because I've learned to think and respond to people the way she does. Mm -hmm. And I think that it helps you as a husband to be a better husband but then you also see it in the way you take care of your kids because you're trying to keep up with your spouse's strengths. And then there are other times where how you would handle something doesn't stack up. Like my six-year-old daughter, when she gets frustrated and emotionally upset, she reaches a point where she won't talk to me anymore and she'll just wait for mom to get home. <laughs> and we're trying to like tell her like, you have to at least give like a small version of it to dad so mm -hmm. he can help you enough so that you can make it so when mom gets home. But sometimes she just wants to shut down completely and wait for mom. Mm. And so it's hard to acknowledge that maybe I'm not what she needs in the moment. And mm. I want to try to keep getting better. But it's also a place where I know when my wife gets home from work, she'll take care of it. And my daughter will feel understood and heard. And she'll come back to me. Mm. And so you have to kind of, you have to sort of lean into it. It's, it's humbling, right? Yeah. <laughs> it kind of stinks. But it's, yeah. it helps you grow to be who God created you to be if you understand that there's a part of you that's drawn out by the person who gets you more than anyone else and is closer to you than anyone else. And it's it's vulnerable, but it also, there's a lot of upside, like you said. Um, you kind of realize new max outs because you didn't know that you had such capacity until someone showed you you had it by the way they loved you and the way they modeled love for you um, in your marriage and with your kids. Mm -hmm. So. Yeah, it's a, it's a process. You have to keep learning it over and over again through different things. But it's like a reminder also, like in the moment, like in those moments where you're like, oh, I wish my daughter felt more comfortable like confiding in me, right? And yeah. then like you go through like like this uh, mental thought process of like, what's wrong with me? Like, oh, I'm the like, worst dad ever. But like, yep. I think also like that's our pride, you know, speaking to those in those moments. But like what you said about humility, like, it's a uh, reminder of like the body of Christ. Like there are many parts, uh, but like the eye can't say to the ear, I don't need you. Right. Yeah, or, like, right? like we need all need each other, but by recognizing that it's also, I think it, we should ideally like be relieved. This is my role. Right. And there are certain limitations. You don't have to be everything like, to yeah, everyone all the it, time. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And got to let the humility <laughs> blend in. That's, that's a real thing when yeah. it comes to when it comes to bedtime, right? That's how it is for me. Every night my she wants my wife. Really? She wants my wife. And and I am I'm so not good enough that I can't I am not even she will not even allow me to pick her up out of the crib like 95% of the time. <laughs> Whereas it's the opposite for me. Like oh, I put Elijah to bed all the time and uh, 
Yeah, it, whereas she's tried to put him to bed, and then he's still, like, rambunctious and doesn't want to go to sleep, yeah. but, you know, I don't know. It's, some things yeah, work. and it happens in phases and cycles. And <laughs> yeah, yeah <laughs> six months ago, I was the guy. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and you have to cherish that phase because yes. it won't last forever. Yeah, and definitely. It'll be chopped liver. Yeah. Right. Already. Yeah. So we kind of hit on it, you know, on the secondary part of those answers, but then what are some of the challenges of being a husband and father? What do we struggle with? What have we kind of butted up against as we've learned how to live out these vocations? I learned, like, what Jacob was saying, sacrifice, right? Like, the husband is called to love your bride like Christ loved the church, right? Which, translation, like, lay down your life, right? Mm -hmm. That's beautiful words from sacred scripture, uh, that we can like reflect on and like really ponder but like when it comes to like living it out day in and day out it is um, extremely difficult like every day or like um, and you know I think that would be also a message that to any young man who's discerning like what is my vocation is it uh, single life married life religious life like in all of those vocations in some way shape or form as a male you're going to be called to to that role of like laying down your life for another mm -hmm. um and that's in everything like i'm socially introverted i love like uh you know these sorts of moments but i also need that time to like break away and like decompress and yeah. read books you know and mm -hmm. have quiet time have a cup of coffee but then all of a sudden my wife's like oh can you like take out the compost like just as I'm sitting down yeah. or like oh can you take out the trash oh can you like vacuum and it's just like uh, oh. but that's like a moment where you're it's like die to yourself like, right. yeah. like so for those young men out there who are like oh you know like God are you calling me to the religious life but I would have to give up you know being with a, a, a lovely woman you know like I would have to offer that up yeah you would but don't be, uh, don't think for one second you won't, like, if you choose the married life that you're not going to have to sacrifice yeah. on, a, on a great scale. Right. And when I was yeah. talking about sacrifice earlier, you know, I made it sound like I was really excited about it. Um, <laughs> no, I mean, I'm, I love I'm, I'm logically very grateful that it's there. Doing it in the moment is really hard. Yeah. It's not, it's not easy. That's why they call it sacrifice. It's yeah. not, it's not an easy task. And, and there, and we're human, right? There's going to be times that you know, you, you don't die to yourself and, no, then, you and then you have to say sorry, Yeah, you know, for a million reasons. Um, sorry is big. Sorry I think like big. even in like for my interior life, like like when going to confession, like just I think in my early in my three years of marriage, I've realized in different ways just how much how how selfish I can be mm -hmm. right with my my time or like, you know, and how much I have to keep letting that go yeah. you know uh it's a dying to yourself so you Definitely. Know, what about you <laughs> since you've had more marital yeah, years more focus, <laughs> yeah. i would focus say combined. maybe the biggest lesson is understanding the difference between something you're striving for yourself in your interior spirituality or in your own mindset and then those things that you can reasonably expect everyone to strive for like, I guess kind of knowing the difference between kind of like flavor or taste or preference, and then that which is kind of like universalizable, mm -hmm. like to, to your whole family or to your spouse and children. Because the tough thing for me is I'm a very minimal person. I wear clothes till they wear out. I buy one pair of shoes a year. Mm -hmm. You know, I like to travel. I like to go to sporting events, but like, I don't really buy a lot of stuff. Mm -hmm. I don't like to eat out too often. 
I have kind of minimal ways that I spend money and I'm, I'm happy to live very simply and on very little. But that's not true for everyone. Mm-hmm. And that's it's true. not true for most of my family, not just my wife. But my for, wife would like you. So it's been learning what are the ways in which I can make choices for myself, for my clothing, for my, you know, what I do when I'm on my own, what I do when I'm, you know, traveling or how I, you know, plan things out. But then when it affects my kids or it affects my wife or it's a household decision, how do we do something collaboratively and conversationally where maybe once in a while we compromise in a way that honors my preference, but that I'm not imposing that on everyone else around me all the time? Mm-hmm. How can I live it by example without imposing it on people who maybe don't want to choose it as often or as extremely as I do? And so I've learned I have to try to make choices myself, model it quietly, talk about it when I'm asked, but to not impose that on my kids and on my wife in the way they make their choices, which is hard because underneath it is a a sort of morality that I think we should all aspire to. But it's also a lot of my preference and my taste. And so how can I model that in a humble and underspoken, understated way while still respecting, you know, my kids developing their own kind of preferences well maybe seeing how i do it and taking that into consideration as they develop um but like it's been hard because my wife trusts me to handle the finances the bills the budgeting the investing Mm -hmm. and she wants me to do it well but i have to do it in a way that honors her preferences and tastes and not just my own Mm -hmm. and so over time we've learned how to do that better but there was a time when i was like really strict with budget and really strict with spending Mm -hmm. in a way that made her feel like I didn't trust her. Mm. So a big lesson for me was trust that when she talks me through a choice she's making or a decision she's trying to work through, that she's done due diligence and this is a conclusion she's reached and trust her heart behind it, that she's not just spending money because it's fun or trying Mm -hmm. to like bankrupt the family, which I never thought she was, but I learned that because of how extreme I am personally, that it was making her feel that way. Mm-hmm. So ha- her having taught me to be more empathetic made me understand better how my choices were affecting her. And so mm-hmm. I tried to be more cognizant of it, and it's you know it's a tightrope walk, yeah. <laughs> but it's a it's an ongoing thing that I have to keep trying to recommit to. Yeah, I think family also like your the family background that you came from also can be challenging uh, when you finally enter into marriage, like especially if your family background is different from your spouse's like just simply put like in my in my circumstance like coming from a suburban life uh, of living all my life versus my wife who came from a rural community and grew up on a farm how you see life and it can be very different why I said my wife would like you is because she's very much like she doesn't uh, like her growing up her family didn't really go out to eat as as much and like was just like more focused on just the day-to-day life at home Mm -hmm. whereas I think my because of our my background here like going out to eat wasn't that big of a uh, deal but like through coming together as as husband and wife we've I've learned it's like okay well yeah you know going out to eat on a regular basis that that adds up right and so it's like the rubbing of of pennies like you know like to make each other shiny like I've had to die to myself and like not getting to go out to eat as much as I want but like also I've like where I've come I think into the marriage is reminding like my wife that at the end of the day yes we can save up as much money as as we want but like 
who is ultimately our, our provider, and that is God. Are we putting our trust in how much we're saving, or are we also how much are we also simultaneously investing in God? Like and like like that at the end of the day, God is going to be looking after us, right? So I have to kind of like remind my wife, like gently, like if we can have moments of like oh a nice date night out in 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 the city of Chicago because that's creating a memory in the moment. Yeah. You know, if you, you know, so it's a, it's a balance mm -hmm. uh, and it's easier said than done. <laughs> Trust me. Yeah, it's, it's definitely true. It's definitely a balance in a million different ways. Right. I mean, you know, like in, in, in my marriage, right. My wife from a, from a, a spiritual side of things is just, I mean, head and shoulders above me in, in every way. Mm -hmm. I mean, she's, she, she is just so much more on top of it. She thinks about, I mean, I, I'll admit, I don't pray every day. Well, I pray every day, but a lot of times it's usually just like, oh, please let me hit this traffic light. <laughs> oh, so, um, you know, um, but I mean, she is, is, is just this model of faith that I, I attempt to keep up with. In the same way, there are certain technical skills to, to surviving, like being able to, to balance a budget, being able to understand, you know, what an, you know, what an investment, what an investment is, you know where it where it comes from. You know its liquidity, all the all the different aspects to to the actual technical side of you know owning a home or, mm -hmm. or things like that 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 she relies on me for. And that sort of goes back to something you were saying about you know you, you or maybe you were saying it. Mm -hmm. You you build on each other's strengths, and mm -hmm. then you yeah. realize oh I can rely on that person for yeah. this, mm -hmm. right? I can rely on my wife to not forget to pray before dinner, mm -hmm. and. And uh, also my daughter, she does not. As soon as, as soon as I sit down at the table, she goes like she goes like this. Yeah, Yo, that's claps, good. Claps her hands together, and, and she just waits. And and I don't I don't know that that's it's awesome. <laughs> but yeah, so mm -hmm. it is. But um, so it's it's definitely a balancing act of, of of working with each other's strengths and then also being able to manage how we react to each other's weaknesses. Yeah. So maybe catching on that prayer thread, and that commitment to praying before meals that your wife and daughter are, are good at. What are some of the habits you've noticed within marriage or within parenthood um, about how your relationship with God has evolved, how you've you know maybe adjusted or evolved in your prayer life, or maybe the ways that you're able to still incorporate it by stepping back? What have you noticed about like marital or fatherly uh, prayer? I get nervous on airplanes. Let's start with that. <laughs> I was like, where's this going? <laughs> I used to when I used to when I was first flying a bit for work. I would say, God, please help me get through this flight. My goodness, please help me get through this flight, right? <laughs> then I got married, and my prayer shifted to, God, please help me get through this flight and back to my wife. Please help me get mm. through this flight and back to my wife. Please do not let me abandon my wife. Mm. Immediately. Then she got pregnant, and I said, God, I know that you'll take care of my, my wife and daughter if something happens, but please, please Give me back. <laughs> let, me, let, me, let me get home to them and, and, and continue to provide for them as you call me to do. That's – I'm – actually flying tomorrow and i'm going, i assure you <laughs> that prayer. on takeoff and on landing mostly takeoff i will be i will be saying that prayer and it'll be it's a, it's a mantra i say it on repeat and i i don't know i don't know if that exactly answers the question but that is how my prayers have morphed uh, my perspective has changed mm -hmm. it has become less selfish more for them more for them and for yeah. others um and i think in turn that has that has provided fruits in my own life but uh, it's changed my perspective a little bit on God, you know, and, and, and how, mm -hmm. how, to, how to talk to him and, and in a way that provides fruit. Um, 
and then also in just in other places, you know, actually everyday places, right? Uh, we are committed to praying before dinner. Mm -hmm. We pray before dinner. And we aren't always great about doing it. You know, if I come home for lunch, we aren't great about that necessarily. Mm -hmm. Probably don't do it at breakfast, but and I should. But but if we are sitting down as a family to eat dinner, whether it's in a restaurant, whether it's at home, mm -hmm. whatever it is, we sit down and we and we and we and we say, uh, you know, uh, bless us, O Lord. So for me, like when when my wife and I met on our Catholic missionary team, we kind of like went through Catholic spiritual boot camp. And what I mean by that is just like, you know, we were pushed into the deep end of just immense prayer throughout the day. So liturgy of the hours, like uh, morning prayer, evening prayer, night prayer in our men's community and women's community. Like we were doing daily mass. Uh, we had a holy hour every day and praying like devotionals like Divine Mercy Chaplet or Rosary, Novenas. So like, I don't think my, I think had I not gone on that missionary team, my prayer life would have been as well versed as it is today. Like I, I think through that experience, I came to love adoration and see the importance of it. And after my time in missionary life, like I, I rely on those devotionals or like if I have the opportunity to do a holy hour or as much of, of a holy hour as <laughs> I can with Eli, as long as he's like staying quiet, like I'm going to, I'm going to do that. But, you know, I learned really quickly, especially when Eli was born, the amount of time you have to, to do those sorts of things, to like have a holy hour, which would be my preference, or to sit down and do morning prayer, evening prayer, night prayer. Like as a father and as a husband, I mean, to achieve that consistently would be like, I'd be like, that would be miraculous. But it was hard when I was coming to that, that, that trial of being like, oh my goodness, I'm not being able to do that. And then I was worried, like, is my relationship with God going to flounder? Uh, it was a really difficult moment where I had to adjust and it was with the help of my wife who you know adoration she loves adoration but I think for her you know because of her farming background she's like go 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 work till you drop you know and whereas I'm more like sit and like I've always had to really like remind her like be still like as the scripture says be still and know that I am God like that's hard for her but she taught me like hey use the time when you're driving to and from work and and do those rope prayers yes they're just, like you might not have this spiritual exist like revelation like see the clouds parting and everything or like like really but like nonetheless saying those prayers yeah. are so important and so like on my drive to work when i'm going to like viator i'm i'm uh, our well I'll say my travel prayers I can give you some if you'd like um, <laughs> but my travel prayers and then our father hail mary glory be an act of contrition um, and then you know surrendering my work day over to Jesus and like asking him to take care of everything and then surrendering my wife's work day that was a, a really eye-opening moment for me and it was me having to change myself a little bit because I'm my default is like I want to go deep I want to like just like sit with the Lord for an hour and pray and like just spill my heart out you know whereas sometimes I think like oh the rope prayers I'm not doing it as good enough yeah so to speak so one, one yeah. more thing to add uh, yeah. on, on my end I realized I didn't really talk about you know exactly what my what my wife has brought to that table um so I've I've always suffered from from anxiety to, to some degree or another sometime Never fully incapacitating, but to some degree, I mean, I, I have panic attacks and things like that that, okay. that occur periodically. 
And something that I never even considered before meeting my wife was praying about that while I was while I was going mm-hmm. through it. And so I'd be like, go, I'll be going through a panic attack sometimes, and she'll just walk up and she'll just say, you know, my, Michael the Archangel, defend us in battle. You the same Michael yeah, prayer. Yeah, the same yeah. Michael prayer, uh, which she has memorized, which is a, <laughs> amazing, <laughs> amazing, right? Or, or, or she'll just say, let's say a couple of Hail Marys. She'll pick one that I know, and then I'll say, um, you know, we'll say them together. It's, you know, it's not a full cure, right? But mm-hmm. it is a treatment, and it it's works. It's a management it's strategy. It's a management strategy, yeah. and it works, and it brings me back to center, mm-hmm. and it reminds me, you know, who I'm here for. So whatever's eating me up like that, you know, it's, it's small. It's mm-hmm. a small thing. Let's, you know, focus on what's important, come back to center, let's figure this out wow. so so that's an amazing tool that she i'd never even considered using uh and she brought to the table that just blows me away so i th- sorry i you could get something in if you'd like <laughs> i was just going to say like one thing that has been uh enlightening for me because of my my go-to is like scripture because i teach bible at st Vider high school is reflecting on the hidden years of of the Lord with his mother and father like Mm -hmm. the part like the parts of sacred scripture where you don't learn about Jesus's child like after his uh, Mary and Joseph find him in the temple and is like around 11 or 12 years old I forget that little detail but after that you don't hear about his growing up in life right or or even like after he's born what was happening between his birth and uh, when he was uh, yeah uh, preteen you know um, and like I think there's a reason for all married couples. Like there's a reason why the Lord became incarnate and like grew up in a family, like had parents, like because it it speaks to the laity. Mm-hmm. And like as a father, like when my when Elijah like is crying in the middle of the night and I can go to him and I'm taking care of him. Sometimes I've like thought and like he's finally calming down and is just like quiet because he's snuggling up to me. Sometimes I've thought of like blessed mother taking care of jesus in the middle of the night if he had a nightmare or like was just restless and like if you just ponder those images right of the holy family together like i think there's as a as a man as a husband or as a wife you can gain so much spiritual fruit like how many diapers well i don't know ancient diapers were changed by mary and joseph you know so many for a bit. but like that was the blessed mother loving the lord mm-hmm. right and so like you as a as a husband or you as a wife can can be holy in those day-to-day acts you know so i think yeah. reflecting on that allows you to grow in holiness as well so yeah jesus was a member of a family and uh the modern church has been really good about elevating saints who are models of faith within marriage and parenthood and mm-hmm. not just celibate religious and priests mm-hmm. one thing that kind of hit me when my first child was born and we were uh, taking her for one of our first swims. We like got her in the pool. Uh, I was watching a video from our trip and I was in the pool and like we get her in and I'm kind of like taking her around in her little floaty. And I'm kind of thinking to myself like, huh, like I'm the guy in the video. Like she's gonna watch this and I'm the guy in the video. Cause you know, you, you have to have a moment where you realize like I'm not a kid anymore. My parents, you know, helped me figure out where to go to school and what classes to take and what teams to play for. And, now you're doing that for someone else. And it kind of hit me in watching that video when she's like nine months old of like, I have to do those things. Mm-hmm. And I think faith is a huge part of that. Obviously we're Catholic, we baptize our children Catholic. We intend to raise them Catholic and mm-hmm. support them in living a Catholic faith for their whole lives, we hope. 
but it comes down to us and it's mm-hmm. like what are you going to do to model that and form them in that mm-hmm. and like I want my children to choose it but I'm also not going to be laissez-faire about it yeah I have to find a way to model it and show it to them in an attractive way so that they come to choose it for themselves as they grow and so for us it's like bringing stuff to church that isn't just cartoons or comic books mm-hmm. or random coloring Disney finding books finding coloring pages on the mass or something on yeah. the mass we yeah. found a great toy that's magnetic pieces where you can actually like set the church and the altar and you can explain what different things are and do a little scavenger hunt looking around the church oh that's cool sometimes we'll just bring plain notebooks and mm-hmm. I'll just draw silly pictures of the altar or a chalice mm-hmm. and host or try to copy the dove out of the window mm-hmm. <laughs> above the altar and then the other fun one is my wife's background is in uh, is in nursing and my background's in theology. So when our daughter asks us those questions that little kids precociously ask, my wife's not afraid of trying to answer it, but she kind of looks at me and she wants me to have those chances mm-hmm. to be like, how do you take all that you've come to understand and was your faith seeking understanding all these years and explain it to a three-year-old mm-hmm. who just asked why animals die, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. yeah. Or, yeah. Or, you know, where is my mother passed away a few years Mm. before my children were born and uh, talking to them about how she's present without being physically here. Mm -hmm. Those opportunities are so precious. And like, I think if you get in your head too much, you can maybe fumble it a little bit or freak out and not find the words. But I think if you can find the calmness and embrace the humility we've been talking about, it's such a neat opportunity. Mm-hmm. And I think the thing that consoles me is I know they'll ask over and over again in different ways. Yeah. And so it's not like you have one moment and if you mess up, it's blown forever. These kids' minds and hearts are just growing and growing and growing. And they're just going to keep bringing this stuff up. So it's kind of neat because you know you're the one, you mm-hmm. and your wife, you're the ones that they're going to come to first, maybe grandparents, mm-hmm. maybe aunts and uncles. But they're probably going to come to you first with a lot of these questions. And so if you are living a life of faith in your heart and you have a relationship with God and Christ, when they ask those questions, maybe you don't have a prepared speech on index cards, Mm -hmm. but there's something in you that gets drawn out that you're ready to share. And to me, that's just like, I don't know, it's between that and like choosing a name that we then told God in the church and baptism. You have these capacities as like a co-creator with God that are just so, I don't know, like you said, you have to ponder, you have to like wrap your heart around it because it's really big. You yeah. know, it's, it's a really it's a really major vocationally immense thing that you get to dive into. Well, and I thought you said something very nice, which was, you know, when you're talking about raising raising your children Catholic, like, right? It's like, well, you want them to make that choice, but you also don't want to be laissez-faire about it. And I think I think a lot of people mm-hmm. fall into the laissez-faire category. Yeah. And, and so, you know, when talking about, you know, the vocation of fatherhood, right? That's a real Thing. you know when mm-hmm. when when you are you know as the father you are the you are the protector you are the defender you are the you know you are you know the uh, the one to lay down your life you know mm-hmm. if, if it were to if it were needed right mm-hmm. something something like that but that's not necessarily just physically you have to be ready to do that spiritually too mm-hmm. that that's going those questions come up and you can't be afraid mm-hmm. I would also add to to all the roles that you're saying fathers are the domestic priests your family is like the domestic church, right? And like, as like the priest of your household, your role of like praying for your children, praying for your wife, and praying for the well-being of your children day in and day out, like that matters, and that has, well, that matters, and it has a spiritual effect. Like, so 
you know, when I'm putting Elijah down uh, for bed, like we have like a little uh, canister of holy water and like I bless him every night. But like I also like say like certain prayers like over him and I, I actually have my hand on top of his like forehead and like he feels it every every time. And it's like because it's like I want him to know that like our faith, it's not just a part of our life. It encompasses our whole self. Yeah. Like it affects all of what we are what, to what you were saying. Like when y- your children are asking you these questions, I'm not there yet, but like for any parent, but especially I would say parents who maybe don't have a theological background, it's even probably even more nerve wracking. Mm-hmm. Right. Uh, I'm sure like the- people with theological backgrounds or who are like, they, they just know the basic tenets of the faith. They can stumble through articulating, but like it is nerve-wracking but that is i think also a moment for the husband or wife or the mother or the father to like interiorly while communicating with their child say like lord give me the words like and where i fall short please somehow pick up the the pieces that i drop yeah you know and like i like one thing that my wife and i did was make sure we have like a crucifix in our apartment and like sacred images of like jesus or like the the holy family and no joke like eli just on his own was like pointing to the cru- the crucifix and was like die die <laughs> like, like i did like i had no like didn't even talk to him about that but it was just like where is this coming from yeah you know and that to me that's like miraculous and so it's just like okay well taking that opportunity it's like yeah jesus died on the cross to save us from sin and then he's like, but but then I'm like, but he rose from the dead, and and then Jesus, he's like, yeah, die, die. Like he doesn't like. He's just so fixated. I will on say that. that's a funny. Yeah, part. But <laughs> that's a funny new thing. Our uh, Cecilia has been doing as well in mass. So so the the uh, pastor at maternity BVM where I where I attend uh, is Father Jason, right? Mm-hmm. And it turns out when a year and a half year old says Jason and Jesus, it sounds very similar. <laughs> and so when we're in mass, right? She'll, She'll she'll point to the front and she'll say something that starts with a J. Yeah, yeah. and and it I can hear you know it's a slight difference. She's saying two different words, but uh, it's funny how they just pick up. Yeah, you know, it's like we and it's sort of like you know when when you know when when Father Jason or or whoever's doing the um, the um, consecration yeah you know, raises raises the host or whatever you know I'm always like I'm always like hey you know behold yeah. right <laughs> yeah know, or like, behold that's Jesus that's you Jesus know? Yeah. you know like he's, there there he is you can see him as your kid and, is like squirming and, right like, and pushing like, your like cheek yeah exactly exactly but but it sticks yeah. because yeah. now she you know periodically will just while we're in mass G yeah G <laughs> yeah. yeah yeah so it's it's uh, cool it's one of my favorite things to share with parents at mass is you know we have sacramentals right we have rosary beads and mm-hmm. we move what we pray the prayers of the rosary um, you know the worry crosses or stones with crosses on them um, I like to think of my children as my mass sacramentals <laughs> so I'm often holding one of them for some or most of mass and it's my reminder to be prayerfully present yeah because if you're trying to hold a child and you're angry or frustrated or upset or annoyed you're probably not holding them very like tenderly and <laughs> compassionately you're probably like squeezing them too tight or you don't care if they get uncomfortable or if you have them safe and secure and it's kind of like they're like my rosary beads so it's, you know like holding them well you know with a, a little tiny head on your shoulder while you're kneeling or with their butt on top of the pew while you hold them around that's the you spot, isn't it? yeah it's <laughs> like that's your invitation you're poking your head around be, them yeah, yeah it's like it's a weird sort of piety but it's a piety that i love because it's much easier to do that than to try to sit there uh you know 
with a different, you know, a preoccupation of some kind. They are my focus in a weird sort of mm -hmm. distracting way Yeah. Uh, that I kind of welcome. And I always will make a point of trying to get us to mass no matter how, you know, unless mm -hmm. someone's contagiously sick or something. Yeah. I think we're always better off being there and struggling through it mm -hmm. than missing it and, and uh, having it not be a part of our, our lives that week. Mm -hmm. Well, and not only are you witnessing to your children, like, the importance of attending sacred liturgy, like, you are also witnessing your vocation to other yeah. brothers and sisters in Christ who are in attendance, right? And it's like, the, like so in a way especially for our brothers and sisters in christ who have already pa like passed the baton of like uh, parenthood yeah. onto us it's like it gives hope like it uh, you know because i mean let's face it a lot of young people are are rejecting um uh religion altogether um and we're also simultaneously seeing the negative uh <laughs> downfall of that like in various ways and just like in individuals' lives or just uh, among uh, uh, relationships in general. And so I think it, even though you yourself as a husband, or in my wife's case, are struggling to hear God's voice, like being communicated to you, like your spiritual needs in that moment when you're coming to Mass, and you're like, like Lord, like speak to me. or like, And you don't, and meanwhile, all of a sudden your kid like drags you out into the narthex, and you're like, well, I'm going to have to somehow... Like, you know, you out here. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I'm going to get on my knees during the liturgy of the Eucharist, even though I can't see Jesus. But, you know, every little bit counts. You know, mm -hmm. consistency is what matters. So, yeah. so maybe like one last question. Uh, thinking of maybe teenagers, college-aged young men and women, young adults maybe in a relationship or thinking about it, how would you uh, address that vocational discernment that young people need to grow into when it comes to state of life. One question that some friends in college brought up to me that I've, has always kind of stuck with me is, can a young man or woman who is committed to their faith ever focus solely on marriage, or does it always come to a certain extent that you're going to consider religious life or priesthood just because of a commitment to faith that draws you to think about profound sacrifice, about you know countercultural choices? Um, and to me, it was like, yeah, I did have a moment, you know, when I was 17, 18, where I was thinking about it, but it didn't last too long, and I felt called to marriage, and I, I kind of put all my eggs in that basket, and I think that was prayerfully and vocationally sound. But, you know, what insights would you pass on to those a few years younger than us, or maybe around our age, who are having these questions? I think it might be a mistake to not call marriage religious life. Mm. I, think, I think it's different, but... You know, as you were saying before, you know, like so, as, as a father, you're called to be the domestic priest, right? Mm -hmm. it, it's different, and and the role of, of priests and sisters, nuns, brothers is all incredibly important, and we definitely need more of them for for sure. But if you find yourself feeling called to marriage, I don't think you need to feel guilty about it because I think you're going to be leading a different type of religious life. Mm, um, yeah. That's that is just as important. Maybe, maybe to some in some you know in many instances probably to your children more important requires right? a lifelong commitment too. That's yeah. I mean it's it's your you, you know when There's you get no married, getting out. You, get married, <laughs> you know they, they always talk about when you go into religious life you know you know professing vows. Look, you do that when you get married. Different mm -hmm. vows. It's different different vows, but it's but it's, it is just it's a different it, it's a different path of religious life. Yeah. Um, and like I said, you know the you know more traditional religious life of, of being a priest or a brother. 
or uh, you know someone who has professed vows, as they as they say, right? That's incredibly important and, and fulfills an absolutely vital role in our in our uh, faith communities, uh, in, in in our own per, you know my own personal spiritual life, right? I mean, but uh, you know, Brother John is Cecilia's godfather, right? He's played an, an mm. enormous role in, in my formation, right? In that in that in that way, those roles need to exist and need to be filled. But just don't. I just what would say don't feel like you're letting down God if you don't mm. if you don't do that. Yeah, um, and especially as you know, and I, I bet this probably happened to all three of us. Where like you said, when you were like 17 or 18, you're in mass every Sunday, mm. and you know the priest starts to sort of go, "Hey, have you considered?" Yeah, and yeah. And, yeah. And, you know, if if you're at any, at any level of, of showing up, you usually get asked, right? Yep. If you've considered it, and I guess I guess I just wanted to put that out there that it's yeah. Yeah, this is a type of religious life too. Yeah, sort of. I mean, <laughs> I don't know if any of you like did altar serving like during elementary, sure. middle school years. I did, and mm-hmm. for sure, like I, I loved being an altar server during that time. And the priests that I was serving under uh, would make those sorts of comments uh, to me. And and yet, there were different moments in my childhood where I just had this like, you know, like my my siblings and I at times might like we had this big crucifix that my parents were given on their wedding day and we would kind of like set it up and like pretend like we were having a mass and all that like obviously not legitimate but you know but you get the point as a man when you're getting those uh, questions asked like on the one hand it's like oh maybe I never thought of this or like maybe God is speaking through this individual and and leading me in this direction and you want to be open to that but i think there was always a part of me that was like lord if you're if you're calling me to the priesthood or the religious life i will do it like uh but like there was always uh, like whenever i thought of a married life i was like seeing that as like a, a really big sacrifice like because of choosing that like it was i always viewed it as a sacrifice which in a sense it is but like i think for those men and women who are called to the religious life that while it is still a, technically a sacrifice there's so much peace joy and consolation that one receives when when entering that path but like for me i think um for those men and women who do go through a, a discernment process where they're discerning with the religious community or they're going into seminary or the convent if by chance you go through that for a period of time but then you discern out because you realize that wasn't your calling those years weren't wasted no Mm -hmm. those years prepared you god willing if you're called to the married life for your future spouse Mm -hmm. Uh, in a like to prepare you for the reality of dying to yourself (laughs) uh, and sanctifying your spouse and leading your family to heaven you know i think that's very important i mean for me like i remember like uh growing up like my like in my high school years i just remember as a teenager like i'm in my bed and i just remember one night i just couldn't fall asleep and i remember like looking over at uh the other side of my bed and it was obviously empty but like in that moment i just all of a sudden felt like sad and there was this empty like there was just i knew there was this like hole in my in my in my chest it felt like and i remember tearing up like in my early high school years like when i recognized that i was like i was alone mm-hmm. right and i remember i went to adoration one night 
I shared that with the Lord. I was like, Lord, I know you know this. Like, you were there. Like, you're always present. Like, <laughs> you, were there. you were there. But this is the first time I'm bringing this up to you. This was, like, during my time at in missionary years. So, like, after college. And I shared that with him in adoration. And I just remember hearing a voice. And I, I do believe it was the Lord. Like, And it was from Scripture. It is not good for the man to be alone. Right? And that was my, like, reassurance. Like, married life is holy it is true it is good and it's beautiful and they're like you can be holy you can be a saint as a married man or a woman right like what you said like saint Teresa's parents right mm-hmm. like they're canonized saint right Joseph. yeah exactly you know so well he was kind yeah. of true in. <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh man the church needs holy religious uh, brothers sisters and and priests deacons desperately um, in many desperately cases. yeah but it also needs holy marriages because we're the the primary educators of our of the next generation of catholics so. yeah my hope is always that young people will discern from positivity from those things that they are and not from those things that they are not like i don't want a young man to say oh i i can't you know maintain an exclusive relationship and get to know a, a woman well and so I must be destined for priesthood. Like, mm-hmm. Well, no. Mm-hmm. You should be destined for priesthood because you have a strong motivation to be a servant leader, to give of yourself, to celebrate the sacraments. To be well, a, a lot of Viatorian religious told me, like, uh, it would be very concerning if we encountered a man who was desiring religious life or priesthood, but they didn't have a sense of appreciation or a desire like the possible desire to want to be a father like like a biological father because that you know that is innate in every male mm-hmm. you know like the desire to be, to be a, uh, in some sort of fatherly role right like so to not want that is right. very concerning right you know because you're going to need those you're going to need those attributes in the parish life when you're dealing with those cranky parishioners, right? <laughs> or like, why was your homily too long? And you're like, uh, I gotta be patient with this uh, brother or sister yeah. in Christ, just like you have to be yeah. patient with your cranky one to two year old. Yeah. <laughs> I think voca- Oddly similar. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> Vocation comes from integration and not compartmentalization. So it comes from you being whole and put together completely to be who God created you to be, not from denying your sexuality, mm-hmm. but from understanding it in proportion to the chastity, either as a celibate, vowed religious or priest, or as a chaste husband or wife in a mm-hmm. marriage. And so I always hope that young people will identify strengths and gifts and passions and talents and identify needs of the world they feel drawn to meet and not think about what they aren't. Because even someone who's single, it's not just that you're not married or not religious or not a priest. It's that you're not committed yet and you have a kind of a profound radical openness. You can receive things that a person in a committed or marital relationship or in you know, professed life cannot receive and you have a way to give of yourself that those people can give but not in the same capacity that you right. can. So I always hope that young people will look in positive lenses at the things that they are and the ways that they want to give of themselves and not think about what they're not. Because I think especially I sympathize with young men as someone who had a lot of tries and failures mm, yeah. in college dating. Like, just because your girlfriend broke up with you after two months doesn't mean you should be a priest. Mm-hmm. And just Definitely. because you were accepted to the pre-novitiate 
and you did formation for a year doesn't mean that you know and then you you left married doesn't mean that you should get married yeah right? you have to discern from strength from positivity or you, from abundance not scarcity you have to find those places where grace and love is moving and not you know run from the places where it's harder to find yeah and we have to also be careful of like the language especially as you know uh for for us in the married life like the the sort of language that we hear in the secular world like oh he completes me or she completes me right like when in reality like if that were the case then all of us would be for all those religious or those people who are living the consecrated single life or just single life in general like there's a lot of uh, half, uh, a, lot of half a lot of half complete <laughs> of people. Yeah, yeah, you know, gotta bring a hundred and a hundred to like, that relationship. <laughs> yeah, but it's you are complete uh, in the sense that you know you're you're made in the image and likeness of God. You in of it of itself, but when you enter into marriage, you are being sanctified by the other, right? Like you are given, you are being honored by the other for who you are, but simultaneously, like growing into the fuller person that God dreams you to be, right? So I think, like, St. Irenaeus, like, a church father, like, he said, the glory of God is man fully alive, right? Mm -hmm. And that, I think, is what vocation is, is, like, you being fully alive in the calling that God is calling you to. That's all for this installment of Roundtables on the Way. We thank Brian and Jacob for their reflections on fatherhood, marriage, and family life. We pray for Brian and his family, Jacob and his family, and all of the families of Viatorians striving to live out our faith within our families. Viatorian Voices Conversations on the Way is a production of Viatorian Vocation Ministry. The Viatorians are professed brothers and priests, together with women and men lay associates, who proclaim Jesus Christ and his gospel, and raise communities where faith is lived, deepened, and celebrated. In the footsteps of Venerable Louis Curbs, and under the patronage of St. Vider, we strive to do everything well, so that through us, Jesus may be adored and loved. To learn more about our community, visit Viatorians.com or follow us on social media at Viatorian USA. Those seeking support and accompaniment in exploring God's invitation for them are invited to reach out to Vocation Ministry. Send us a DM on social media or email vocations at Viatorians.com to start a conversation. Young adults seeking to engage with the Viatorians and other young adults can request to follow our private Instagram at ViatorianYA on the way to connect in. On behalf of Brother Peter and the Viatorian community, I'm pre-associate Dan Masterton. Venerable Louis Curbs, inspire us. St. Vider, pray for us. Adored and loved be Jesus. Mm -hmm.